Hey, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench. This is Brendan Sinone. And guess what, guys? I was on the actual bench this weekend. It's a big deal, right? Big deal that I was actually working? Yeah, I'm, uh, that's exciting. I will be on the bench this weekend. It seems like we're just taking turns on the bench. Yeah, except for Chris. Be- Chris isn't on the bench. The best no. news is I'm taking a sabbatical from the bench. Yeah, I was going to say Chris has served his time. I'm not <laughs> I'm not keeping score, trust me. His his ass not being on the bench is putting our butts on the bench, unfortunately. Right. Um, we all got to serve our time. It will get Are you drinking a mug with your name on it or drinking out of a mug with your name on it, it says Josh. That's adorable. Yeah. 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 I should get my use I should get my UCF national championship mug. Anyways, <laughs> welcome to on the bench guys. Uh, we are, well, we, we have a few things to go over. I want to talk about the end of the Willie Taggart spring booster tour. Uh, I want to talk about a few recruiting things, including the start of camp season. I want to let me talk about baseball for like a minute, but not too much longer than that, even though it was a really great weekend for Mike Martin and FSU baseball. But first things first, and I feel, feel like this is kind of like an intervention type of deal. Josh, what's going on with the hair? Uh, we've joked about it, but we actually got to it's like it was like a coming out party this past week because you were doing some TV event and we got to see you with your hair looking really long. You look like Bradley Cooper, but not like good looking Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper in the end of the star is born, like when bad, you know, bad things start happening to Bradley Cooper. I'm worried I'll about take you. it. I'll take it. Um, I've been called a lot a worse. I've been called a lot worse than a poor man's Bradley Cooper. Um, I will take that. But no, I think it's it's just um, it's growing season, you know. The hair, the hair's just it's grown really well. I thought I was surprised to hear that you have concerns. I, if Chris, it can you flow, can... let it flow. Mm. So I'm the only one who's concerned about it. Chris is such a hippie. I swear, <laughs> at heart, pretty much. Yeah. You met, have you met my parents? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, Chris is Chris might be the the hippie of the site if we're if we're being honest here. But yeah, I don't think. Um, you know, at my age, I don't think having long hair in any way, shape, or form is a bad thing. It just seems like some kind of existential crisis, and I haven't been able to put my finger on it yet. But if you're just letting it flow to let it flow, whatever. Just the the journalist in me like sees this massive change, and I, I anyways. Things are changing, that's for sure. But the, it's a quarterback uh, crisis, not an existential crisis. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. I think we want to talk about quarterbacks for a second here and, and more of a macro type of deal. Josh, you were on that. What was the TV show you were on? I want to give them proper, proper I did spectrum. Right. I do spectrum sports. It's Bay news nine, you know, the local five counties here in, in Tampa. Okay. Um, I, I appear on there every now and again. And the question that was presented, and this is something that Chris and I spoke about briefly, which was Jimbo Fisher's comments uh, I guess it was from SEC spring meetings, well, like a week ago at this point, but I didn't get your thoughts on it, Josh. You spoke about it there. Let's use our platform to have you talk about it for just a few minutes, and then we'll get into the Willie Taggart speaking tour. But the question that was presented to you based off of Jimbo Fisher's comments at the spring uh, at the spring meetings in the SEC, he said FSU is in great shape. Uh, paraphrasing there, but I think it was great shape, right? Something like that. Yes. that, that that's the context of it. And you were asked uh, who's – you know, who's to blame or the percentage of blame? Willie no, or Jimbo? I, yeah. I was asked who's to play, who's to blame just in, in a general sense. But I think I took it a step further <laughs> and, you know, it, it was back to the message boards on Knowles 24 seven. They love those percentages, right? Like they love, they love the percentages. So just out of nowhere, I just shot out and I said, I, I blame Jimbo Fisher 60%. 
and I think Willie Taggart deserves 40%. Did you think um, about that beforehand, or is that just I'm something slightly, you pulled out of your butt? Yeah, barely barely beforehand, like maybe two or three minutes beforehand. <laughs> but I do believe it. I mean, I, I do think if you are to assign blame, like let's take this one step further. This is just a hypothetical. But like if you were to uh, assign blame for five and seven, right, the way that it went down, some of the handcuffs that were on Willie Taggart, I'm giving Jimbo Fisher 60% of the blame. I'm not, not blaming Taggart though. He's getting 40% of my blame because I don't think the team got better. Um, there's been some recruiting things that we've discussed. Some of the coaching hires didn't go as smoothly as they could have. Um, I think that some of the, that resulted in five and seven. So yeah, I think looking at it objectively, I think Jimbo Fisher deserves slightly more blame than Willie Taggart. That was kind so- of on it. I think that's fair. I don't know what I would put percentages on it. Uh, I will say that I run into this when I write something either negative about the current regime and how things are being handled or how things that they inherited maybe weren't great is, is people think each and every single article, not, not all people, but some think that you're taking a side and you're taking a stance in a hard line. Like it's all because of Jimbo Fisher or it's all I'm because of yeah, stand. I think it's more Jimbo Fisher's fault. I, I would say that's fair, too. I think that Willie inherited a mess. I think Willie could have done more in year one. I know it's something that we've talked about, we rehashed before, uh, so we don't have to go into a whole lot more of it. But I do think it's yeah, worth think noting. It's and I think time changes it, too, right? Like time over time, we're really going to see like the truth. For sure. I, I was going to say that in like three years, we'll we'll have a much better idea of, uh-huh. of, of whether this was an absolute dumpster fire that was taken over or maybe something that, you know, could have been fixed a little bit better. Uh, yeah, we'll see in three years from now. Chris, do you have a uh, do you have a number in your head that you want to assign blame to? I know you're a numbers guy as much as you are a hippie. I'm 72 percent Jimbo Fisher, 28 percent Willie Taggart. But it swivels a little bit every given day. So sometimes, you know, it's 68, 32. Yeah. You know, it's it's wild, man. I love percentages. <laughs> All right. We, uh, we concluded, or I guess Willie Taggart concluded, his Seminole Boosters spring speaking tour this past week in Miami Gardens. We had Zach Blostein, our uh, intern extraordinaire, down there covering it for us. I still have to pay him for that. Do you think giving him a check would be like funny? Because I don't think he knows like how to cash a check. I can't imagine an eighteen-year-old knows what to do with a check, There's right? There's no way he would know what to do with that. I'm gonna give him a check because it's coming out of my Ben Mo. Venmo. <laughs> right paypal's outdated is that i i just recently emptied all my venmo funds because it was pretty much just a bunch of fantasy football winnings that i never used i don't care what you say there's no way zach's 18 years old or 19 now right i don't know he's like he's like 50 years old and he's gonna yeah. run this entire industry like in two years he, he so. has like better perspective and like more calmness over the recruiting process than i do like, and definitely and definitely more than chris Josh, that may be a you problem and not a Zach, you know, good thing. Just, just letting you know that. No, I'm saying I've seen so much and, and we'll talk about recruitments that don't even seem that long ago. Like we were sitting at the table, uh, the last time we were all in town with, with Zach and Chris and Brendan. And I think I brought up like, you know, Vernon Hargrave's recruitment or Dante Fowler's recruitment, one of those two. And he, he was in like fifth grade. (laughs) <laughs> had no no idea about those recruitments, no idea about some of the history of the battles between the big three and all that. But he still has like great perspective on everything. 
he, he is a common influence for us in our, it, it, the, like the group text thread, which I had a dream about the other day. Uh, and, and that's that Richie Dude, Leonard. You, you need to get these, you need to get these dreams in check. Okay. No, I think I'm stop I'm, drinking. I did. Stop drinking or drink more, but your current level of intoxication is producing some really whacked out stuff. Just yeah, so you know. the the dreams have been more prominent since I've I've cooled off a little bit on the drinking, uh, deciding to you know make it a weekend deal instead of every couple of days. Um, and the dreams are uh, now it, flowing through me. So you're saying I need to drink more? It appears you need to get back to falling off the wagon. Yes. Uh, okay. I mean, it's not really a wagon deal, but anyways, I or I, drink I like cough, drink cough syrup before you go to sleep. I hear that gives you wacky dreams too. Her, Purple drink. All right. Josh, you were at one of the speaking tours, if I remember correctly, at least one, one or two, right? Yeah, I was at, um, I was at Tampa, then he went to Ocala, and then he went to South Florida. So I was at uh, three tours ago, three stops ago. Okay. So you were at that one. I was in the Orlando one. I didn't get to go as many as I normally like to go to. I usually like to go to two or three. Uh, but, but combined, we were at three. And I want to talk about, between the three of us, I guess things that we've learned through we certainly listen to every single one he has, every tour stop. Um, my general thoughts, and I'll kick it to Josh right after this because you were at the one pretty recently. This, to me, seemed the difference between last year and this year, which, of course, there was a, a change uh, because of <laughs> the circumstances. Last year was about healing, in my opinion. It was about excitement. It was about the transition of a new regime. To me, this year was about keeping the faith, holding on, which, which makes sense, but this was more like a rally of of morale. Uh, if it, was that your stance too, when you saw and what you heard, Josh, you kind of experienced the same thing as I did. Um, for sure. There was a, I mean, you could feel the, the excitement in the room and, and granted I was at the manatee one last year. So that was even more amped up because that was Willie Taggart's like homecoming. Sure. Um, as I said on the pod, like there was times where he was speaking that he had to stop because the crowd just like broke out and cheer and stuff. Um, this time I went to the one in Tampa and yeah, it was a lot different. And I agree. I think there was a bit of like, you know, after you break up with your ex and you get on social media and you got to act like everything's going way better than it was with her. I think there was a little bit of that going on for sure. The fans and the program wanted to believe that, um, Jimbo leaving meant that the program was going to take off once again. And, and that didn't happen. So I think everybody was shell shocked, like we said during the season and the off season kind of, um, has that feel to it, that fans are a little hesitant to get excited and a little hesitant to even maybe buy in right now. And let's go through a couple of the the talking points that I guess were fairly common for him uh, through the course of this two month period. Uh, one for me was, it is kind of kicked up later on. It was certainly prevalent in the last one. We don't have audio from it because you can't record audio during the actual booster stop. Like there's the media availability for 10 minutes before. Uh, but he talked about the offensive line and that was something that Willie talked about a lot last year too. And I'm trying to pull up the actual quotes here. Cause again, we don't have the audio, but I'm trying I think to think you are quotes. allowed to, do the audio, Brendan. Um, that's not what Zach you might, was told. You might not have it. I was told we were by FSU, but e- either way. Well, regardless, we don't have the <laughs> the audio, so it's having it or not doesn't make a huge deal. Uh, but he spoke about the offensive line a lot last year, right? And it, it was more or less saying he thought it was going to be fine. He thought it was going to be be decent. 
of course, we all know how that story plays out, right? Uh, this year, <laughs> uh, yeah, this year, though, uh, Willie, I think, had been pretty cautious in his optimism of the office line, really spoke up Randy Clements a lot and Kendall Bryles. And I think that's the sticking point. Like, that's that's your reason for optimism if you're a Florida State fan is that those guys are going to help turn it around, not necessarily the personnel changes. Uh, but but the very last the very last booster tour, and that's what I wrote on, we got quotes from it, and that was essentially him saying to the fans, please stop the negativity about the offensive line. I know, this is me paraphrasing, I know that the offensive line hasn't been great the last couple of years. We all know it, we all see it. The constant negativity, the constant bashing of the offensive line isn't helpful. And then he expressed confidence in what he thinks they're gonna be and, and thought they were gonna be a good unit this year. Uh, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I'm going to both of you guys kind of were skeptical of those comments and the way they were, the way they were phrased. I, I do think it's worth the context that he's asked about the offensive line and not a lot. And he wants to build these guys up, but, but Chris, I'll kick it to you first. Uh, that, that resonated with you in a, in a pretty profound way, I think. Right. I mean, it, it's a guy trying to gas up his own guys, trying to get them better, trying to give them some confidence, trying to build them up and, you know, try to, cool the flames of everybody kind of going after them. But I don't view it as bashing. They've been bad. It's a straight up clean truth of what that offensive line has been the last couple of years, which is quite dreadful. They're not a particularly good group. They've been the worst group in power five. They were the worst group in power five this past season. And there's no reason to believe they're going to make some huge leap year over year, especially when the personnel and the people haven't changed drastically. Now, do I think that will be better? Yes, I do, to a slight degree. Do I think the coaching staff and the synergy that Kendall Browse and Randy Clements has will make an impact upon that group and help them and help to do away with some of the blemishes they suffered a year ago? Certainly. So I understand why he believes there should be some optimism, and I use that word in quotes, but I'm not optimistic about that group. I don't think it's fair to expect people to be optimistic about that group before they actually go out and do something to provide a glimmer of hope. They were awful last year. That, that's the simple truth of it. They were horrendous. They were not good. They were the biggest weakness on a team filled with weaknesses. There's no reason to believe that suddenly they're going to become drastically better and really good. The hope is that they do improve and continue to improve to improve and that you see that over the season and into the future beyond the season. But I, I hesitate to like go you know 10 inches on something that is said at a booster meeting because booster meeting is kind of a raw, raw. You've never gone 10 inches on anything in your life, Chris. Whoa. Uh, what? There, about, but. there goes our PG rating. Jeez. Um, oh, that wasn't supposed I, to be an innuendo. Like, you guys are disgusting. You got to remember the setting. So like I, I talk a lot of it up to the setting, but I also think he has to be careful because he did this last off season and all coaches do this to some degree, but it blew up in his face. And I don't think he can really afford for that to happen a second time around. I think it's better for him to, you know, kind of tread in the middle of they're going to get better. They're going to be better instead of kind of like taking people to bat for pointing out that they were awful when they were awful and that there's not a drastic reason to change the view of what you expect of a group. Like I, I just, I think he's got to be careful with how he goes about some of those talking points because they're going to come back on him if they are 
as bad as they were a season ago or very close to that end of the spectrum instead of drastically improved. And I guess part of it, though, is, and Chris, you mentioned it's, it's the setting. Uh, realistically, though, like, what else is he supposed to say? I have the quote here, and, and I'll let Josh weigh in on this in a second, but I, I did pull up the quote, and he says, this is partially out of context because there was a lot more around it, but and it's not a direct quote because Zach sent me the quotes, but it, it's, it's been years and I get it. But when it comes to offensive line, it only takes one guy to be bad, and they all look bad. They're not all bad. After three years, that's all I've been hearing, how bad our offensive line is. I hear it from our fan base. I hear it from other fan bases. To be honest with you, I'm tired of hearing it. Uh, later on, he says that they think they have the pieces to get it right. Uh, but but that's – But he makes it sound like it was one guy who sucked last year that dragged him down. It wasn't. It was a group of five guys and a different guys who filled in those five spots. They were never good. There was never a collection of talent on that offensive line that was good last year. So, like, don't minimize the issue. I, I, I don't know. I, uh, truthfully, I don't feel like going crazy on it. Like, I get it. I understand what he's doing. I get Taggart's idea with it. I think he just needs to be careful to not act like – not don't make people expect them to be really good. I just think that's a foolish way to go about business doing it. I think it's more about we're going to improve instead of trying to act like they're going to make some gigantic leap, which I feel like those comments – are more leaning towards a gigantic leap than a slight improvement. All I know is my computer. Can you guys hear it? It's getting hot from all the hot takes coming through the microphones right now. It's impressive. I'm trying to avoid having a hot take. Like, I don't want to go above and beyond on that singular moment event comment. But I just think we, we did this last booster tour, and I get what a booster tour is. I just think we need to be careful this time to not kind of go into August and September with expectations that are not legitimate. And coming out of spring, I don't think you can look at that offensive line and feel like they're legitimately drastically better or that there's something coming that's going to help them suddenly turn this corner drastically and become a much better group. I just, I, it, I would be uncomfortable in that setting. I feel like it's creating a false narrative. No, fair. Josh? I've been at these booster stops and uh, at the end of the day, these, these stops are for the fans to, to talk to Tagger, but more importantly, they're for Tagger to raise money and the excitement level in that room, you know, in order to raise money, you got to sell, you got to sell yourself, you got to sell the program, you got to sell this, this uh, vision and where the excitement level was in that room. I understand why you got to get in there and say some wild shit. And I think that, all PG it, rating gone again. It, I think all of it at the end of the day is just to do that, uh, raise funds. And, you know, he's got to whip these guys into a frenzy, but like Chris said, kind of play the fence of where you're not going to, um, dig yourself too big of a hole like he did last off season. So, um, <laughs> I feel for the guy, man, he's out there trying to sell this, this product and people are going to dissect what he says, but this is, um, the old adage winning, winning solves everything. Like winning literally solves everything. All, all these things that he goes out and says, nobody looks twice at if they win nine games last year. So at this point, we just got to get back on the field and play some ball. And I think fans sense that. And I think he's just trying to grow some confidence, grow some excitement and sell some booster tickets or whatever they're selling out there. I, I, I think agree you with have you. to be careful not to treat the consumers like a mark. You know yeah. what I mean by that? Of course. I, I think that's ultimately what it comes down to for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
think it's a, it's a fine line, but it's a tough job right now. Part of this is about perception. And I know, Josh, you said winning solves everything, and it, it certainly does. But you can help yourself out, in my mind, with how you set the table ahead of time. And And for Willie Taggart, one thing that I think he did a poor job of a year ago, and, and it caught him off guard, was was bracing the fan base for 2018. Yeah, but I just don't think you can walk into a room in in 2019 after that in, right. with no excitement and expect to raise money for the school. Like, it's just right. not going to happen. Well, that's, that's my point, though, is, is he dug himself a gotta, little bit of a hole. Yeah, yeah he's got to say some more outrageous stuff. Yeah, now you have to kind of more, which was more outrageous that if you believe in the offensive line, they'll improve or that the schedule is is easier this year or is harder this year. So for he didn't say it's harder. He was asked and this was something I couldn't play audio. Should I play audio of it? Oh, that's going to be a lot more editing for me. No, I'll just I'll paraphrase it. This I was done. Which one was it? Which in was, the, this was in the media session. And and he was asked by sub. I'm not sure who the reporter was, but he was asked about the schedule being easier and how that could help, you know four wins and losses. And he took issue with the word easier. He said, you know, how do you know it's going to be easier when we haven't played the schedule yet? Um, to the point of the the person asking the question, they said, well, you got Notre, you have Notre Dame a year ago instead of Boise state. So he wasn't saying it was going to be easier. I think he was saying it was still going to be rigorous. And I agree. Like it, it probably will be easier because you won't have that brutal stretch of, of Clemson, NC state, Notre Dame. Was it in that order? I can't remember, but there was that three game stretch. The schedule sets up a little bit easier, but but you're still playing nine teams that went to bowl games. You're still playing Clemson. You're still playing Florida. Like it's not going to be easy, and I think that's what he's he's trying to say. To me, that wasn't outrageous. I guess I understood what he was coming from with that. He just he yeah again, this is stuff he has to say, right? Like he can't say, oh yeah, it's going to be an easier schedule, and because then he puts himself in a corner if he says it's going to be an easier schedule and they only come out and win six games, and then you know people aren't going to be happy. Yeah. I don't know. He's in a tough situation, whether it's 60, 40, his, his own doing in Jimbo's or, or Chris said 72, 28 with it changing every day. This isn't an easy situation for Willie Taggart. Chris said it swivels. It swivels. It swivels every single day. Swivels. Yeah. Uh, Your hips. (sighs) All right. We're going to take a, we're going to (laughs) take I want to take a I want to take a quick break from this entire podcast. We'll be back in a minute. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so let's jump over to recruiting. Thanks, Brendan. I'll take it from here. Um, we talked a little bit about... It's some a of hostile the- takeover. 
that were going on uh, within the last week. So one of them is um, Florida State's one of Florida State's top offensive line targets, Richie Leonard of Coco, cut his list of offers down to a top five. Um, Florida State makes the cut there, and it sent Brendan into a whole dream cycle. And let me just say one thing real quick, Brendan. Anytime I there's like certain um, threads that I never click on. Like if a if a thread starts very simple, like a two two words or something, and it's on page seven, I know I'm not going to click on that. And if there's also a thread entitled "I had a dream last night" written by you, I'm not clicking on that. So, what in the hell are you dreaming about, Richie Leonard? Did you make his top five? No, it was the opposite. I had a dream. So I I have a lot of work dreams because I'm an anxious person. You guys may know that. You may not know that. Uh, and I thought, you know, it's the off season and you know, the content's kind of slow when I have a work dream, I'm going to post it. And I've actually had back to back work dreams, like on consecutive nights, I've actually had three in the last two nights. One of which, one of which was Josh, you taking me to a bar, jumping in front of someone at the bar, cutting them off and, uh, and then saying, we're gonna make a name a drink after you called the, the awkward or something like that. It was you making fun of my anxiety. Yeah. So actually pretty realistic. Right. Um, but the Richie Leonard dream was basically that FSU made his, uh, he committed to FSU. We were told that he was going to commit. You guys put that in the group text. And, uh, and I was like, Oh, I'm going to go check my crystal ball. And, uh, and I thought I had it on him. I didn't. I got screwed out of points once again. And apparently that's something that means a lot to me because it's it's seeping into my into my subconscious. Man, you are messed up. <laughs> well, one of the things that concerns me, and I wouldn't say concerns me, but a notable um, change in Leonard's recruitment was that Florida offered on Wednesday. And then two days later, he got in the car and took an unofficial visit over to Gainesville for the weekend. Um, now we officially have all three Florida schools in the mix. I still have my crystal ball pick in for Florida state. Um, but Chris, does this change anything for you? The fact that Florida is now in it. And do you think that they're a legitimate threat? I think that anybody within driving distance for Richie Leonard is a legitimate threat. If you look, he actually put out top seven, not top five. Like you guys were saying, it's FSU, Florida, Miami, UCF is in there. I didn't say it was a top five. Tennessee. In Kentucky, who is previously committed to just just out of um, disrespect for Brendan. I, no, I it's not on the script. Don't I wanted to leave UCF out, but go ahead, Chris. <laughs> I uh, with him, I, I'm uneasy about any current offensive lineman and projecting him to FSU. But I, in talking to Richie Leonard, especially when he took those multiple visits back in February into March, he was leaning towards FSU in my opinion. And talking to him, the family was on board with FSU. I feel like others getting involved now is not as big of a, you know, concern as some of those long-time schools. Georgia Tech's been there for a good while. Kentucky, where he was previously committed, has been there for a long while. And Tennessee's done a good job here. So, truthfully, I'm more concerned about out-of-state than in-state schools with him at this point in time. But I do think he's a kid that's going to go somewhere where mom and dad can drive easily to see him. So, I think a Kentucky or a Tennessee might be a little bit more of a task compared to an FSU or Georgia Tech in that regard. And then obviously he has the fallback options of Florida, Miami, and UCF. You know what the closest school to Coco is? Just Probably saying. UCF. Just saying. Yeah, it's like 30 minutes away. No, I'm muting my, my mic again. 
Um, the, the other concern with Leonard is he commits July 5th, and as of right now, we don't know of any plans for him to get back to Tallahassee, or at least I do not know of any plans for him to get back to Tallahassee. I'm not real concerned about that. He made two unofficial visits in the in the offseason, and his his commitment's going to be July 5th, and I could, I could see him making a third trip back for Saturday Night Live after he commits to FSU. I don't think Richie Leonard necessarily needs to be back on campus. Do you, Chris? I mean, he spent like in the two no, visits he no, did I mean, were extended trips with family. Right. And that, I believe it was the first visit here. Uh, when most kids left, I want to say it was on a Saturday when most kids left him and his dad came back Sunday morning, just to kind of hang out at the facility, see the coaches real quick again. And like, they just did that because they want to do that. That was one of those situations where FSU worked really hard to get the kid to stay and, you know, miss another visit or something like that. It was a matter of him and his father decide they want to hang out and then come back by. So I, I think that kind of speaks to the level of interest that he and his family have in the school. So right. I do agree with you there. I don't think it's a necessity that he visits again. It's just always an uneasy feeling when there's a gap between visits and commitment. There's been several visits to other places in the in-between. Well, I think if we see him make a second trip to Gainesville before July 5th, then uh, there's going to be some concern that would definitely raise my eyebrows, but I'm going to keep watching this one no matter what, because um, anytime there's a big three battle where all three are, are all in on the, on the prospect, things can shift quickly with a visit or two. So as it stands now, though, I still feel good about my crystal ball for FSU. Um, one crystal ball that I did not feel good about heading into the weekend was Tate Johnson. Uh, Tate Johnson is a uh, offensive line prospect out of Georgia that has been to FSU twice. Um, I put in a crystal ball. FSU seemed like they had a good bit of traction with them coming out of the spring. But since then, Auburn's really taken over. And I put in a crystal ball pick for Auburn on Sunday. I meant to do it prior to the weekend, uh, getting off the phone with Keith Niebuhr. Um, Keith is, is, is rather conservative with his Auburn takes. Um, so I trust him there. And, and we just talked about some of the details of what was going on with Tate Johnson and, and the Auburn staff's confidence. Um, I feel like it's trending in Auburn's direction enough to change my crystal ball. What's your take on Tate Johnson right now, Chris? He's supposed to go back to Auburn in a week for an oh official boy. visit right before the dead period begins. So that's kind of a uh, bad sign. Um, again, he's another guy at FSU. If they want to have a shot here, they probably need him back on campus. He's been to yes. Georgia Tech. He's been to Auburn here recently. Both have done a really good job. He's always liked Auburn. I think Auburn's always been the main contender in addition to FSU with Georgia Tech kind of looming. And the other thing that Auburn has going for them is that he's hit it off with commitments like Avery Jernigan. Avery's a real good dude. I can definitely see him and Tate getting along. They, they're pretty similar in kind of their makeups. They're both Georgia boys, real hardworking guys. And then uh, I know he's also uh, former teammates with Keandre Jones, who I believe is now enrolled at Auburn. So there's plenty of ties over there. I know he likes Coach, I believe it's J.B. Grimes, the O-line coach over yes. there. Really likes him. Um, so there's plenty of reasons to think that Auburn's in a pretty good spot with him. He's a guy that FSU's worked real hard on, especially the commitment to FSU, like Jeff Sims and those guys. They've worked very hard. St. Herring, of course, is another one that should be mentioned in that category. They put in a lot of work, but if you keep taking visits, you know, it's a famous Newberg line, follow the visit. So I feel like it is trending a little bit at Auburn. It would be nice to see him end up at FSU for a visit before the dead period in late June starts. Yeah, I, um, I don't think this is a huge blow to FSU's 2020 class uh, if he goes to Auburn, if and when. Um, but I do think it stings because, like you said, the effort, uh, the energy, 
they got him on campus. I mean, hell, he was in that commit group text. You know, I think at the time yeah. a bunch of those guys were uncommitted, but now it looks like almost everybody that he was in that quote unquote group text with um, is committed or will be committed to FSU. And it just seemed like he was one that was right there, kind of like Zane Herring. It was almost like, hey, it's a matter of time till this one goes down. And all of a sudden, it shifted completely the other direction. It's kind of weird with Tate. I've tried to gauge from an FSU perspective how much they're truly interested in him. Mm-hmm. They're certainly interested. They invested visits in the spring. They've worked to get him on campus. So I'm not trying to make it like, oh, they don't like him. It's not that. But I've never gotten the, oh, he's one of our top targets on the O-line kind of talk. We're like, we're all in. He's a guy we definitely want. I've always gotten kind of the, he's a guy we really like. We want to keep recruiting him. We want to keep doing this process. We're definitely interested. But it's never been, you know, sometimes with a staff. Like Jalen Knighton's a guy that you know this staff wants. That's been Chris, made Chris you, just can't get the, you just can't get the image of him walking down the highway to the stadium <laughs> out of your mind. <laughs> it's not solely that though. It's just a matter of like, I've never gotten the, we're 110% all in on the Tate Johnson yeah. want trained. Like yeah. they like him. I think they would certainly take a commitment if he called and tried to commit, but they haven't quite gone above and beyond. Like I think Auburn certainly has. And I think Georgia tech's even done that. Well, more he's so an interior happens. guy, right? So I think maybe right, that's maybe why they're that. hesitant. Um, yeah, adding, a, adding like another guard is like adding another DB. It's like, it doesn't matter how good they are at this point. It's like, all right, we get it. <laughs> we just got to get, we got to get a tackle in here. Um, speaking of yeah, tackles. And, yeah. Yeah. Finish up on Tate Johnson. I was going to say with Zane hearing already committed, Zane's one of those guys that you're still trying to determine, does he end up inside or outside? And I think that causes some hesitation with inside guys like a Tate. Yeah. And I think, you know, some have said that, Zane Herring and Tate Johnson are very similar players. Like they would play the same role, probably whether it be, you know, they're probably a guard, but maybe they're a tackle. Um, but they most likely are both going to end up as guards. So maybe that's one reason they're hesitant because Herring and Johnson are so similar. Um, JV and Cohen. I didn't, I didn't think too much of this commitment because I didn't believe FSU was really that involved. Did you? I mean, they went to see him, but they're recruiting two other teammates of his, too. He never stepped on campus here. I have a rule with this class. If they don't step on campus, I just can't really care right. about them. So that's no kind doubt. of where I stand with him. Yeah. Um, and then good news coming. We think Thomas Schrader is going to make a visit to FSU next week. I don't know if we put that on Knowles 24-7 or not, but um, Zach had that info in our group chat. We're going to put that out today if we haven't. Um, but Thomas Schrader, is this it? Do we do Thomas Schrader day and just end it and get him to commit? I mean, I think it's kind of like the conversation we had a few weeks back about just needing to accumulate numbers at certain positions. Like at receiver, they need to get one right before they got Weidman. I think Schrader kind of falls into that category for the O-line. Obviously, the end of July for them, it's going to be a significant date. The Saturday Night Live on July 27th is going to be a significant date for trying to put the 2020 class kind of you know, well beyond the halfway point and trending towards the close. But I think it's important in June because so many kids come off the board in June before that June 24th deadline mm-hmm. of the dead period that I think it's important for FSU to get one or two guys at certain key positions. So I think Trader's a guy I think they clearly like, they value. He's almost certainly a right tackle. Um, so I think you kind of go ahead and you try to close the book on him. Louisville had him on campus this past weekend for an official so it's clear that there's some other parties in the game. 
but it's important for FSU to get them before other O-linemen come off the board and Schrader becomes a higher priority for other schools. Right. And one more guy I want to talk about before we move on to who was on campus at Florida State last weekend. Um, Isaiah Walker tweeted last night that he will be in Gainesville this weekend for a visit. Isaiah Walker is a big time in-state offensive tackle that's currently committed to South Carolina. Um, I think all all experts agree this is probably he's going to end up in state, whether it be Miami, FSU or Florida. Um, FSU has been able to get him on campus twice. Uh, they're having a big man camp this weekend and are not going to get him on. He's going to take a trip to Gainesville and he's been to Miami a couple times this off season as well. Uh, Chris, you exchanged some DMS with Isaiah Walker this morning. Any insight into when he'll return to FSU? I asked plain and simple. Any upcoming plans to see Florida state? I don't know yet was his response. So as of right now, nothing to add with that. One thing I will add is he brought up the big man camp this weekend We've been told that the gene camps are heavy focused on 21, 22, even 23 kids, 2021, 2022, 2023. With 2020 kids that are elite or takes, their focus on getting them on campus for a camp is more for Saturday Night Live. All that being said, it's still important to get kids to come through the door in June, whether it's with groups visiting, bus tours visiting, or just the individual coming up. They're kind of having to this point in time, and we're heck, we're only a weekend of June, so pump the brakes a little, Christine. But, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have some mixed results with that. They're going to get some that they certainly want on campus. Thomas Schrader is a good example of that. Isaiah Walker is another guy that probably, you know, hey, is he going to make it to end of July before he decides? You know, that, that's kind of the concern with some of these guys. So it may be important for FSU to try to get him to turn Florida into a Florida and FSU visit, you know, back-to-back days or even in the same day. Those kind of things are the things you're pushing for in June to some degree. So I think with guys like a walker, guys that they like, guys that they need at certain value positions, that's what we're going to see throughout the next 10 to 15 days before the dead period approaches in June is FSU working to get them on campus. Yeah, my concern with that, though, is historically having covered the program, and I know there's different ways to do it, though. um, I can't think of, like, especially defensive tackle. I can't think of a defensive tackle that signed with Florida State that didn't work out with Odell in the summer. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's important, but I think again, the goal for 2020 for elites and takes is to get them here for Saturday night live and have them work out. Then the only concern with that is that, you know, July 27th is a long way off of June 24th. And you got to just worry in that 40 day, 45 day period, a little bit more than 45 day period that we're going to experience between now and Saturday night live. How many kids come off the board? How much does the board change? And yeah. some people will say, well, if that, if that kid commits elsewhere, he was never really coming here. That may be true, but sometimes all it takes is one visit to sway a kid and end up landing a commitment. So yeah. it, it's a little bit of a catch-22. Right. And Florida State's hat. Yeah. We'll see. I, I'm not going to say too much before this camp because I, I do want to see it play out and ha- how it goes. It's just odd to me that with such a such a major need in both trenches – defensive line, um, D tackle and DN, um, certainly offensive tackle that if you're having a big man camp, like a camp specifically for big men, and it's such a need that maybe prioritize a little bit more to get these guys in. I think it would be great to see a bunch of FSU's targets working with Randy Clements and working with Odell Hagen's, um, like you said, early in the summer, maybe they'll show up. 
Um, we don't. Ha- we certainly don't have everybody that's confirmed or have a, a good grip on who's going to be there. Um, so we'll we'll talk next week. We'll get on the podcast and discuss it. A um, couple guys were on campus this weekend. It was it was pretty busy. Two five star prospects and a defensive end out of Georgia. I'll start with the defensive end out of Georgia. I spoke to him after his visit. His name's Brady Swinson. Um, he goes to Chapel Hill High School in Douglasville. He was on campus for the day. Um, came in at, uh, six foot three, 230 pounds is what he told me. Um, this was his first trip to FSU, I believe very measured kid, uh, wasn't too high, wasn't too low, just very factual about everything you could tell. Um, he took it all in. He saw what he needed to see. He tells me that the main programs that he talks to every day is Michigan state, Missouri, North Carolina, and FSU. Um, FSU is relatively new to his recruitment. I think they offered about a week ago, two weeks ago, but he yeah, says mid May when coach Lockett went by. Yeah. But he says he has been in contact with Telly Lockett regularly, even before the offer came. So despite the offer only being two weeks ago, I think FSU is in a good spot relationship wise with him, um, wants to make a decision before his senior year. So that means he's going to take his official visits right now. He thinks he's going to take four. Um, he has the only one set up right now is to UNC on June 22nd. Some, t- some people think that UNC is the team to beat. Uh, Swinson definitely didn't, um, tip his hand to me, played it really close to the vest. Um, but I do expect him to send an official visit to FSU as long as they take him this summer. And I think they should, because he's, he, he seemed pretty intent on making that decision before the start of his senior year so that he could focus on his senior season. Um, another guy that was on campus, uh, Brandon, if you want to come back in here and talk about five-star tight end, um, what was it? Darius Washington, Darnell Washington, Darnell Washington. You spoke to him after his visit. I feel like I'm always on the D Washington beat. Like that's the one recruit I get to cover each recruiting cycle is a D Washington. Uh, Chris, real quick. Can I tell you about the actual on the bench experience? I'm going to, it's not a question. I'm going to tell you about it. I got there at about 7.30. Chris texted me like at 6 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, asked if I could row over there. Got there at 7.30. Five minutes later, Darnell Washington walks out with Willie Taggart. That was it. Boom, I got him. I was the only one there. In and out, was home by 8.30. How much does that piss you off, Nee? <laughs> Quite a bit, man. That's called efficiency, and very, very often that bench does not provide efficiency. Uh, the bench is kind to those who are kind on it. I've been working out. So my butt was, was healthier than, than the one it's used to pause. Yeah. Yes. I've, I've had some very frustrating moments on the bench. I can, I can say that. I don't know what you guys are complaining about. It was, it, it was great. I don't know. This whole on the bench thing seems really overrated to me. Reggie Grimes. <laughs> what, what happened? What it's happened with Reggie soon. Grimes? It's too soon. Oh, no. no, we need to let it air it out. It was the day that I waited and waited and waited, and um, there was really nobody else on campus star power-wise except for Reggie Grimes that whole weekend. And, Chris, you were out of town, right? It was just me? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to go home. I think I waited like four hours for Reggie Grimes, and I was right outside the door, and um, he was directed to go back. You know, He was directed to go the other direction knowing damn well that I was standing out there. Oh, uh, that's right. So you were, he was coming out the front doors and one of the coaches said, no, go, go back door back. Yeah. <laughs> that's not right. Josh was ready to burn it all down. I let that person know 
did not like that move at the, all. The, the bench gods are uh, they're just, and Chris spends you, you a lot and of Michael time. Michael Langston have never been so on the same team as that very moment. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, me and Langston really almost joined forces for and put our uh, beefs aside for a common cause. <laughs> All right, so Darnell Washington, uh, he, he came out at about 7.30 and was on his way to Auburn, and I think the next day he was going to go to Alabama too. So he's in the midst of like a, like a little bit of a tour. He's from Nevada, uh, so he wanted to, to see a couple of the Southeastern conference or Southeastern schools and, uh, and FSU. What I took away was, and maybe it's because he was just fresh off of his visit with Willie Taggart, but he spoke to Willie on Saturday morning as he was leaving, spent time in the office with him. And actually, they chatted outside in the parking lot for a little bit, too. He was really impressed with Willie Taggart, the person, liked the way Willie Taggart talked to him, liked the way Willie Taggart kind of kind of viewed him and, and talked about building a brand and, and not being just about what he could do on the football field. In fact, like the day before, that's when they watched film and they toured the facilities and stuff. He Darnell wasn't like all that big into the actual uh, film session. He he talked about how they would use them and stuff, but he, he couldn't remember what what coach was showing him that and whatnot. Like really, what stuck out was the Willie Taggart visit. That's what was special to him. If FSU is going to have a chance to get in that thing, to get in the mix for him, and he said they're at least going to be in in contention when he starts to uh, to narrow down his list to make official visits, which he's not quite re- quite. Yeah, yet so ready I got a do. question on that real well, quick. He said he wants to go. He went to Auburn, Alabama after this, and then right. he said he still wants to go to Michigan and Ohio State. Like he wants to go see all these schools and then take official visits. Right, that's exactly what it is. You don't usually see that out of JUCOs. Like JUCOs usually kind of like take a he's visit. He's not JUCO, is he? I thought no, he was he's high school. He's, he's, no, he's high school. He's Desert Pines in Las Vegas. Just from sure. just because he's from out west, Josh doesn't mean he goes to JUCO. Come on. Desert Pines <laughs> sounds like a JUCO. I'm not <laughs> like Desert Pine, you know, de- there's a couple desert. Uh, schools out there. Who, but, yeah. who knew Josh was such a geographicist? <laughs> Ge- <laughs> oh, he's from the desert. He must be at some JUCO out in Arizona. All or right. So like he's going to make. So do you think he's going to make a summer decision? And what's your gut? No, no, that no. It, that that bad boy's going. Sounds like he's going to take all five official visits. He's going to announce at the Under Armour All America game. So yeah, that may be a good yeah, thing for FSU to see if they can get him back. Yeah, because he's a big time dude. Like he's. What, what is he in network, Chris? I think we have him like top 15 as an athlete. Uh, yeah, I want to say 14, 17, somewhere in that number. Uh, right, so he's got a lot of, a lot of he has the ability to ride it I out. I don't think he's a tight end in college. I know a lot of people that watch that film don't think he's a tight end in college. FSU's talking to him like he's a tight end, but I certainly think his future may be defensive end or offensive tackle. I mean, he's a big old athletic kid. He's a hell of a player. You take him. I don't care where he lines up. I'm just saying that, like, don't fall in love with the position that he's listed at because physically and athletically, he's got a lot of versatility to his future. And yeah. he's he's every bit like the six seven, six eight. I think he's six seven and change, and he's massive. And I'm only five eight. Like he's a legitimate foot taller than me, uh, and and big and hulking and. Yeah, he he can still probably put on an extra because I think he's listed like at two forty five. That, that's a dude who can probably still put on another thirty or forty pounds and carry it fairly well if if that's the direction they go. But but FSU was recruiting him as a tight end, and that's how they pitched him. Telly Lockett has been the one visiting him. Uh, Telly Lockett spent time with him on on Friday, and he watched film with Kendall Bryles, and they showed him how they use their tight ends. So for now, that's how FSU views him. I'm not sure if that changes, but that's that's the pitch. 
the third right. visitor on Friday was Lee Hunter. He's a 2021 kid. He's a four-star defensive tackle from Alabama. He didn't get quite as much attention as the other two on Friday. He was here a little bit shorter time. That was all by his design. I don't think FSU was trying to shortchange him. He did get a lot of personal attention from Odell Higgins. He really liked Coach Higgins. He said they talked more about life than football. He just said he wasn't like other coaches in a positive manner. Overall, he said it was a great visit. He got to see a lot of campus. I don't believe he met with Taggart on this visit, but he does hope to return. He's a kid that's real early in his recruitment. He's got 20 offers already. He's a national type, but he's going to come down to the big timers in the Southeast. Alabama, Auburn certainly is in it. I expect LSU to probably be a pretty big contender. FSU is hoping to be a contender, too. He liked it. Kendall Browse is actually his area recruiter. But Browse was tied up with the Darnell Washington visit. So Odell kind of took the lead in this with him being his prospective position coach. He, you know, so he, he's dealing with a couple guys at FSU. They love him. They want him. He looks apart. I mean, for a kid, he's probably, I'm not sure if he's 16 or 17, but he's 6'5", 292, and he, he just, he looks like a defensive tackle is supposed to look. He's very long arm, very big kid. He can be an easy 330-pound player. He's very athletic. So he's a pretty big time. He kind of flew under the radar because of the Washington visit and because, well, he's a kid from Alabama. People sometimes should yeah. dismiss Alabama kids. It's not attainable, but he's a good one. I mean, he's a premier Alabama prospect at a premier position. It's going to be a tough pull, but it is great that they could get him on campus. Um, Florida State was able to get uh, a few more on campus today. We expect three-star commitment Zane Herring uh, yesterday. Alabama 2021 offensive lineman Micah Pettis and on Thursday yeah go ahead Chris I I said I believe so on Pettis on the pronunciation yeah I think it's Pettis time time out Josh are you retweeting links to other podcasts while recording this podcast yeah why can people not listen while they while we record it just feels rude (laughs) it's a known getting getting his panties in a twist Oh, who would have thought? Um, I didn't know that we were recording a live <laughs> podcast. I figured if I tweet them out now, people can listen, and then in four hours when this one's posted, they'll have plenty of time to listen. Oh, you think it's going to take me four hours to post it? I'm not that oh, bad at wow. editing. <laughs> the gloves are off. The intermission argument has boiled over. I love how you can just like uh, – just phrases will, will trigger Brendan. But um, <laughs> let's get back to the big news at hand. And that's Xavier Sori will be on campus on Thursday. He's a 2021 athlete, uh, borderline five star. He's six foot two, two hundred what thirty pounds, somewhere in that range, two hundred twenty-five. Uh, he's a little bit under that. He's probably more around two fifteen, two twenty these days. I went over and saw him in the spring. I would say he's probably two fifteen, two twenty-ish. Why should we be? Why should we be so about excited about him, Chris? Why should we be so excited about this? He's a freaky athlete. He could play running back. He could play receiver. He could play linebacker. Heck, I think he could grow into a defensive end. I mean, he's just, he's a special athlete. He's a kid that Alabama has kind of already put a heavy, heavy focus on, you know, two Mm -hmm. years out. That says all you need to know about his ability, his skill. You know, he can line up wherever the hell he wants. Schools just want to get him on their campus. Like, you know, FSU talks to him about running back. I don't know if he's a running back in two years. I don't know what the heck he is in two years, but I know he's a hell of a football player with a great athletic skill set, and his, his measurements are off the charts. And he plays football. Like, he's super competitive. He's on a small – they probably have 20 players total on their team. 
He does a little bit of everything for them. He's pretty much the sole reason they're competitive. He's the kind of kid that IMG's put a hot pursuit on and tried to pull away and get to their school. I mean, that kind of speaks to his national perception for a kid that's in a little town like Graceville, which is just shy of the Alabama border on the Florida Panhandle. So, like, I, I mean, he's just – he's a dude. Like, he's a no-doubt dude. He's one of those guys that athletically he can play the game of football at a very high level. And he can probably – you know, if he fine tunes himself in the college game at one position, it's you know expect nothing but the best. The kid's very, 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 very talented. I can't, I can't say it emphatically enough that he's one of the best panhandle prospects I've seen in doing this for almost twenty years. Nice. Um, I thought I was expecting Brendan to jump in when you were talking about the panhandle border with a food recommendation, but I'm glad he's muted. Um, if you go, Friday, if you go down to Panama city, maybe I would have some. Okay. On Friday, yep. we're expecting two more big time visitors in, um, both are 21, 2021 prospects out of Texas. Um, there are a pair of teammates from Tompkins high school in Katy, Texas. We have Jalen Milrow, who's the third ranked dual threat quarterback in the country for 2021. And his teammate, Tunmise Adelaide. Probably not how you say it, but you get the point. He's a six foot three, two hundred and sixty pound strong side defensive end. Um, both these dudes have some big time offers. You know, everybody in their state, everybody in the southeast has pretty much offered them. Um, but they'll be on campus Friday. Uh, this is going to most definitely be the Kendall Bryles, Randy Clements connection to Texas. Um, excited to see them come in. Excited to see some some of this Texas action paying off. We know that the staff spent some time there during the spring of period. And hopefully we see, you know, some of these guys reciprocating that interest in visiting Tallahassee. Um, Chris, any input on these guys? Or are we going to find out on Friday? Uh, you're going to find out on Friday. Cause I'm going to be driving a Baton Rouge. Oh, well, good. I will get to update you. Do you want me to call you from the bench? I mean, we can FaceTime you from the bench, anything just to make you feel, nah, man, I'm going to, I'm going to be driving hands-free baby. <laughs> iTunes radio, which is resting in peace here soon. And I'm just going to do it. Did you say we call on the bench or you? There'll be no we on the bench this weekend. Well, I'm sure it'll be we. We'll get to know not being a team player. I know. I know. At least Langston will keep me company, Sinone. It's okay. Chris, do you Uh, want food recommendations for Baton Rouge? No, buddy. I I know how to use Yelp. Thank you, though. Um, One other kid that visited that we glossed over because that's what we do in this podcast. That and take four hours to produce it is Amari Harvey, a talented safety from Tallahassee. Florida He's on State campus Perkins all the time. School. I forgot about he him. He is all the time. He came with grandpa on Saturday as well as his mother. He actually tweeted a photo of mom and said, I think she's having more fun than anybody else. Always good when mom's smiling. And she was wearing a white number, I believe, which probably got a few people on the Twitter sphere. Twitter, Twitter sphere. How do we say that, Josh? I need help here. Twitter sphere. Or is that just, Thank was you. that the glare of the flash? Oh, oh, conspiracy theories. Mm. I don't know. I don't have time for them either. But uh, I asked him straight up, did you consider a commitment? He said, I'm considering one, but I just think it's too early to make a call right now. FSU is my favorite, though. That's pretty much what you need to know there. How good is he? He was at Alabama a couple days before FSU. He plans to see Clemson later this summer. No date quite yet set, but he's a good one. Oh, and a little bit of other potentially breaking news is Thursday, I want to say it is. Sage Ennis hopes to come back by FSU for a visit on his way back from the Clemson camp visit. 
tight end, pretty close to committing. I still think Let's it's go. FSU. So there you go. Yeah. That's what I got. They need That's a lot of up down. Do you think it, yeah. you yeah, think it ends there if he makes it on campus? I asked him and he gave me a mm, don't know yet. So that, that's where we're at. So I, I like it when I like it when people out. write out mm, or um, which I do too sometimes when you're actually texting or typing. Like, yeah. is that necessary to show that you're thinking? Which makes me think that he's trying to keep something quiet. But I don't know that he's trying to keep it quiet. I think he's just a kid that understands he's very close to the end of his process, and I, he. When he came out of the building after his last FSU visit here in the last week, he basically said his mind was pretty close to made up. He wanted to take the Clemson camp visit, which I think is the biggest thing holding up the timeline. I think unless his mind is drastically changed in Clemson during camp on June 5th, I think that's good news for FSU. Bro, he, he, he's, he's committing if he comes to campus, when he comes. I will put How much you want to put down on it? A, a nice, a nice I, steak I, dinner. Sure, I'm I think you guys should put your paychecks on it. But uh, no, hell no, I get paid more. Yeah, um, he does get paid. <laughs> and, oh. and no outback when I win. Ruth Chris, baby. I used a nice steak dinner, not quick steak dinner. There's a difference. No, that's no uh, shade on outback. I actually don't mind outback, as you know. Um, Shocking. All right, so let's make sure we have the parameters correctly set here. Does he have to commit before he gets in the car leaving campus on Thursday? Mm. I mean, if the coaching staff or there's like, it could be something retroactively. If we find out a day later that he told someone that they committed. Oh, a day later is not that day though. I'm if just, he commits that yeah. day, it is that day. Right. <laughs> right? We'll, we'll set a 24 hour window. I'll be the judge. No, I'll be the judge. I don't like this. You like Chris better than me. No, that's not true at all. <laughs> hey, what the hell? Yeah, not, not even close to true. Um, all right, so the only other thing that we were set to talk about in recruiting, I think we hit on, it's the big man camp in seven on seven. I'm going to shut my mouth on this because I, I truly do like um, going to these camps and seeing who's there. I, I, you know, Just because right now we don't see the star power or the firepower on campus, I'm going to wait and see who shows up before I uh, give my true opinion on this. But I am looking forward to being up there this weekend. So. Yeah, I hope they get some 2020 in there. And if it's totally a focus on the younger kids, 21 to 23, I hope they get some really good ones. That's basically what it boils down to me. If your purpose is to focus on younger classes, do a really good job of that. But I think it would be good to sprinkle in some of the kids that you need in this cycle. Yeah, I just think there's such a need at defensive end and offensive tackle that um, it'd be great to get some guys that they actually want on campus to work with. Because I think that's the thing. Like, I want to see these kids working with Odell and Clements because I know that's something that can seal up a recruitment right there. Just that interaction, that real interaction. Christian Meadows is a great example of that from years Past. Wilson's he came into camp. Cricket loved him. These guys them. committed are, are examples of that, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember Darvin Taylor. <laughs> Dar- I remember uh, Eddie Goldman coming to work out, and I remember like all these guys that that Odell uh, recruited and developed into great players. Like they were all at camp. And hell, we watched we watched True Thompson for four years at camp. Jalen Parks, Corey Durden, they were all there. So we will see. Um, all right. That's it for me. Right, Brennan? Yep. Yeah, that's it for you. Yeah. Well, kind of. I'm actually going to take the reins and give them to Chris Snee because he has, I'll, I'll need your help, Josh, to count 
uh, one minute to talk about baseball because because we learned from the last last podcast. I didn't tell you this yet, Chris. I looked at the metrics. When you start talking about baseball, the listening goes way down. So you got a minute to talk about a pretty miraculous weekend. I think fan interest in FSU baseball increased after this past weekend. They were really good in Athens, and really good is probably kind of cheating them. They were outstanding. Um, Scott Strickland, head coach of the Bulldogs, after his team was eliminated by the Seminoles on Sunday evening at Foley Field, said that that's one of the best teams in the nation. And truthfully, that's what they looked like. They hit the living hell out of the ball. They scored, what, 35 runs over three games. They hit 45 hits, multiple home runs. The pitching was high quality. We knew FSU could get two quality starts. Drew Parrish, who's been a little inconsistent, but still is a very good pitcher. C.J. Van Eyck, who's been very good on the back half of the season. They both gave masterful outings, and then here comes Connor Grady getting the third start. He was great. He was excellent. He kept the ball down. He kept George at bay. They were just kind of dumbfounded with what he was throwing at them, that they could not lift the ball and drive it. Um, the relief pitching, which has been up and down for FSU, and that's being nice on the season, was very good. I, they just looked like a really good baseball team. Preseason, a lot of people thought this team had Omaha potential. Most of the season, they looked like they didn't have postseason potential. And this past week, they looked like a team that can definitely go to Omaha. Now they have to go to LSU, one of the best environments in college baseball. It's a mighty task, but they can win two games. They are built to win two games. I don't feel confident that they're built to win three games most weekends on what I've seen this year. Last weekend, you know, kind of changed that opinion to some degree. But still, they're built to win two games. So they have a shot. Omaha's not out of their sights. I think it's going to be interesting. We'll be over there covering it. It should be pretty fun. That's about it. We? Uh, Litio May joined me on this one. Oh, he really cool. wanted to go this past weekend. He deserves yeah, he it. really wanted to go this past weekend, but work, his regular job that actually pays him, wasn't able to allow him the day off on the front or the back end. He's trying to get it this week if he's able to. He'll accompany me over there. God bless America and unpaid internships. All right. Good stuff, Chris. Josh, good job with the recruiting stuff. Um Wrapping this up, five-star reviews. Listen, guys, real quick, we're at 387 five-star reviews. If we can get to 400, I will not not ask for a review, a five-star review, any sort of review. I won't ask you to subscribe. I won't ask you to retweet. I won't ask for anything until we get to 450 again, then I'll start it up again. But but think about it. That's probably like 10 podcasts of me talking 15 seconds less each time. Do the math. Five seconds of your time just to go in, drop a five-star review, and then I'll shut up until we get to 450. How about that? Can't beat that deal. All right. Anyways, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, I think this was a fun podcast. Josh and Chris, thanks for joining me. Guys, we'll uh, we'll be back sometime next week, and we got to get back on the regular schedule of Josh having his, uh, his interview and Q&A sessions. But for now, thanks for listening to this uh, episode of Knowles 24-7's On the Bench podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. Stick in the landing!